We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. This is a Rocket Room production. Hey, I'm chilling, dude. How's it going? It's going well. Once we get people in here, you know, if they want to know what's going on, you know, talk about how I'm out here at the cabin and what, freaking Pennsylvania. <laughs> Where in Pennsylvania? Um, It's by, I think, a town called like Snydersville or something. I've never even heard of that. What? I'm I'm surprised. How did, uh, I guess this was Diana production, correct? Uh, yeah, her and her and a couple of her friends. How'd she know so, about this place is what I'm getting I think at. Her- I think our friends actually ended up fa- – uh, they found it, and it has, like, a hot tub, but it's not the best place, to be honest. It's oh, the, yeah, the, really? the, the pictures <laughs> Dan, the pictures sell a product that um, makes it look a lot better than it really is. <laughs> uh, that doesn't sound great, but let me go ahead and tweet out the link to this locker room so we can get some people in here. Awesome. Let's see. Join us for – and this is bad, bad radio. For those of you listening on the podcast afterwards – we promise this won't take too long, but bad radio for the moment. Join us for the Giants talk on Big Blue Benter and Locker Room. Uh, live Q&A now, and hopefully we get some people in here soon. Otherwise, it's just going to be me talking to Nick about this uh, falsely advertised cabin that he's staying in, where the pictures just didn't do it justice uh, no, for no. people in here. And the, time, the time between me tweeting and me talking about your falsely advertised cabin experience, we had a few people join us, Lucas, Todd. Mike, Mike Marcel, there he is. Says, "Hey guys, what up? What up? What up, uh, buddy?" Um, let's see. Is anybody has anybody requested to speak? Is the real question, though, because um, otherwise, again, we will be discussing Nick's poorly advertised cabin experience, which nobody really wants to hear about. I don't think, but maybe, <laughs> but maybe anybody uh, want to jump in and be the first person to request to speak? Somebody get in there. Come on, Lucas. Mike, anybody. Maybe we could always talk about 
Danny Shelton, that addition. I'm sure we'll have that on our next podcast, though, as well. Yeah, for sure. Uh, obviously, Nick was away in the cabin. We called this thing. I feel like it's like the Hills Have Eyes type situation you're kind of building up to me, where, like, you went to this cabin. Or what's that other horror movie where, like, there's an outbreak in the cabin? You went That's to the cabin, cabin Fever, man. Cabin Fever is a very, very that, – that, you know me personally, Dan. That's the kind of thing that gave me, like, scars as a child. <laughs> I never actually saw Cabin Fever, though. I heard it was actually pretty good. I'm not a, I'm not a fan of the horror genre at all. Um, You're not a zombie guy, right, Dan? I actually like zombie stuff. Okay. I like the post-apocalyptic stuff. I like the zombie stuff. I just don't like any horror stuff that's like the aim is to scare you, and they use like gore, just like that type of stuff that I'm just find pretty stupid. Okay, let's see. Lucas Watson joins the chat. What up, Luke? Lucas! Thanks. Kazi. Luke Kazi, what uh, up? Uh, not much. Um, so I, I know we're just getting into a draft talk now. But uh, from where we stand, where do you guys think are, um, in your opinion, the highest position of need and like an order of uh, of a few for the Giants? Yeah, it's actually kind of funny. Dan, you and I, we did the the best podcast that we ever recorded was about this. It was pre-free agency. But I think I could speak for myself, for me. I still think offensive line has to be probably the highest priority because it's the biggest question mark. We're all hoping that. All of these players, Matt Pear, Shane Lemieux, Will Hernandez, even Andrew Thomas reached this type of upside. But if that doesn't happen, then Daniel Jones isn't going to have the time to find Kenny Galladay and John Ross and all these other new shiny weapons. So I believe it's offensive line with also the edge and just some type of defensive player that can affect the pass rush being a close second. Yeah, and just to provide a little more context there, Nick says it's the best podcast ever recorded. We make a joke about that off pod because – Unfortunately, it was devastating audio uh, situation where it was so bad we couldn't even release it. We tried to doctor it as best as we could, but it was just it was probably a three point three out of ten on the quality file. And we we refused to post anything that's below I don't know a seven. So as far as needs go, though, I am on this in, on the same page as Nick. We're not always on the same page, but it seems like lately we've been all on the same page. I mean, to me, this. Two ways this Giants team can go wrong in 2021. That's how good I think they've built it. I think they're really in a position where they could be a really good team next year. 11-win team, potentially more if Jones takes a huge jump in 2021. But there are ways this can go really wrong. The ways this can go really wrong are this. You're relying on a a late third-round pick in Matt Parrott to be a right tackle starter. You're relying on a fifth-round pick, Shane Lemieux, to be a left guard starter. And he was bad last year. There's no way around it. He was he was okay to good in that range in the run game and legitimately one of the worst pass-blocking starting guards in the NFL, if you're going to be objective about it. And then you're relying on two other players who we like a lot, Nick Gates and Thomas. But again, they're both young, and you never know. Things can take a step back. And then finally, at right guard, Will Hernandez potentially, I guess, or Zach Fulton. So if you just roll into the season with that group, I think you're asking a lot and you're just taking on a lot of risk. There's obviously a lot of upside if all of them take a step forward. But because I would rather not jump into a season with a lot of risk in a situation where if your offensive line fails, you have no chance to win in the NFL. I do believe offensive line remains number one need for this team. I'll put guard before tackle and hope that pair can take that jump. And then I would go edge two. I would go off ball linebacker, actually three. I would still want to add something there. And then I would actually go with wide receiver coming in after that. Awesome. Yeah, man. Well, can't wait for the uh, the Micah Parsons pod to drop. 
I went, it's I went to Penn State, and so uh, looking forward to that. Awesome. What year did you graduate, bud? Uh, 2019. Oh, nice. It makes, feel, it makes me feel really old, Lucas, but good for <laughs> you, buddy. <laughs> Thank you. I'm, we're all we're both excited to really get into Michael Parsons' tape to kind of see what he can bring to this Patrick Graham defense. I mean, honestly, just looking at the highlights and watching college football back in 2019, I really think it would be something special. Yeah, it would be really cool. He's way up our wish list as of now. But again, who knows once we would dive into the tape, but I feel like we're going to come away thinking the same thing. All right, Lucas, thanks for joining us. It looks like we yep, have a speaker request. Stan, what's going on, my man? What's up, Stan? Dan, you there, buddy? Uh, yeah, I cut out for a second, but now I'm back here. Can all you guys good. hear me? Yep, we can hear you. All right, cool. You guys doing all right? Yeah, man. How are you? Yeah, can't complain. Can't complain. Just babysitting the kids at the moment. So if you hear nice. anything, that's that's what's going on. <laughs> are but, they um... Giants fans? Oh, <laughs> uh, they. Um... <laughs> that's a loaded question. Uh-huh. They uh, they complain a little bit when the NFL season starts because they know you know. Dad's not going to be around quite as much on Sundays, but, uh, <laughs> but they've come around to the idea. They understand the routine, you know, Good. it's just how it is. But, um, listen, uh, as always, thanks for the good work for you guys, from you guys. Um, one thing I haven't, uh, heard you guys talk about a whole lot that I'm curious to hear. I, I've heard some rumblings. I don't know exactly where it comes from, but of like character concerns for Parsons and I feel like maybe we're uh, that we need to give more credence to that. You know, I feel like that's a big deal for this uh, Gettleman Judge regime. And uh, I'm curious if if you guys have an opinion on that because I, I don't feel like you guys have discussed that a whole lot. Yeah, I think for me, and then I'll see where Nick's at on this. I kind of been putting all my eggs in the basket of the Giants have Sean Spencer on their staff, uh, Coach Spencer on their staff now, and he worked with Parsons at Penn State. He was there with Parsons at Penn State. So I think he has a much better idea of if these character concerns are real or are they not than anybody else could or would. I mean, listen, you talk to, you know, you talk to Dave Gettleman and ask him about DeAndre Baker, and he'll, he will be perplexed because they weren't on the ground. They didn't have a coach at Georgia who was then on the Giants staff and can tell them everything about DeAndre Baker's work habits, everything about DeAndre Baker's off-field stuff, everything he did in between practices, out of practice, in games. But this guy Spencer can tell the Giants about Parsons and who he is. So I feel completely comfortable if the Giants take Parsons that the character won't be, we won't have another DeAndre Baker situation. Now, where does it stem from? There was a report, um, I believe, a year or two ago of Spe- – of, I'm sorry, not Spencer – of Parsons being involved in a hazing incident at Penn State with another couple Penn State players, one who's actually in the NFL right now with the Carolina Panthers um, and hasn't had any issues off the field since coming into – since uh, joining the team. But that's really where it stemmed from. It's from one report of a hazing incident that if you read the details, it's, it's, a, it's, it's not a good report. It doesn't look good on Parsons if it's true, but – it is still a report, and I believe that from everything I've heard from pe- the people I know who are close to that Penn State team, he actually has, you know, they, they speak well of his character. And like I said, I'm just going to defer to Spencer on this one. Where do you stand, Nick? It's not even just Spencer. We've got to remember, Pat Flaherty was just brought back to the New York Giants staff, and he was with Penn State from 2019 to 2020, so he would also have some insight 
into Micah Parsons' character. I mean, I can't speak to what exactly happened at Penn State, but if any NFL team has an edge over other NFL teams, it has to be the New York Giants with two guys who come from the program when Micah Parsons was there. Yeah, true. Was, uh, did uh, he overlap with Saquon? Yeah, I think they should have been there at the same time. They were. For one year, I believe, yeah. Okay, interesting. All right, if you guys right now had to um, had to make a pretty substantial wager in terms of who the Giants are going to end up picking number one, uh, you know, their first pick in the draft, who would you guys go with? For me, I, honestly, man, right now, and again, this stuff can flip-flop, and just what I think they're going to do, I kind of think Micah Parsons, bro. I, I just had this, like, one of those feelings, man, that the Giants, you know, they all showed up to his, everyone who could, they showed up to his pro day, you know, have a conversation with him. That's just, just, you know, check in the box kind of thing. But if that character stuff is all squared away, I can see them investing in that. But it also depends on if someone like Slater falls down that low, would they be interested in that? I think they would be. I'm not fully confident Slater's going to be there at a little bit. For me, I'm going to stick with the same pick I made about a month ago. And just to be clear, just so people know, I know Nick said it, but I want to reiterate, this is not who Nick or I would be taking if we were the GM. This is who we think they're going to take. And so if I had to put the money down, like you said, on who I think they're going to take, I'm going to stick with the prediction I made a month ago, and it will be Devontae Smith out of Bama. I think he checks all the boxes that Gettleman looks for and that Judge looks for from a character standpoint, from a work ethic standpoint. He is that Heisman Trophy winner. They love that type of stuff. He played in the SEC at Bama against top competition, and I just think ultimately he will be the pick at 11. All right, good stuff. One more question. Um, uh, I listened to your Waddle uh, pod, which was a good one as always. Um, Thank one you. thing you guys didn't, one thing you guys didn't discuss a ton, um, kind of mentioned it in passing, but was um, his return game on the, on the punt returns. Um, do you think he would, uh, if they drafted him, he would step right in and be their uh, punt returner? I personally think it would be probably somewhat of a competition between Waddle. They would probably give Adore Jackson a chance. I don't even rule out Jabril Peppers yet, but I think ultimately it would be Jalen Waddle, especially since the Giants are somewhat loaded at wide receiver. He could do a punt return, sit out that first play, have Darius Slayton play that, and then put him back into the game. But also, remember, he was also hurt on special teams as well. So I don't know how much the Giants are going to weigh into that. He got hurt in that Georgia game on a a special teams play. I'm going to go with he would step right into that role immediately because – as I mentioned on the pod, he averaged six yards more than any other player. I believe it was either in SEC or Alabama history on punt returns. That's the type of punt return he is. Also, I think more so than that, as far as the Dory Jackson and Jabril Peppers goes, which would be the real competition there, both of those players are going to be counted on for probably 100%, close to 100% of the snaps in year one. Yep. I'm sorry, in 2021. I don't think that if they draft a Waddle at 11, he will be counted on for 100% of the snaps on offense. So, you kind of have a little bit more to work with there, and you have a little bit less risk when you're putting someone like that on special teams. I'm guessing, yeah, and I'm guessing to your point, Dan, he's probably a little bit more gifted. I mean, those guys are yes. are pretty gifted returners, but I'm guessing he's a little bit more gifted in that game. He would be the most gifted athlete on the Giants roster immediately if they drafted him, in my opinion. All right, guys, that's all for me. I appreciate it. Awesome. Thank you. All right, let's see who's next. Mike is next. What is going on, Mike? You there, Mike? Hey, what's happening, Dan? Nick? What up? What's going on? Hey, what's up, Mike? Oh, man, I can't complain, guys. Um, <laughs> couple things. Uh, Dan, from your Vegas trip, did you ever hit up Sapphires? Ah, uh, that we won't talk about on this show. Hit me up after right. the pod. 
All right. Sounds good. It's a family um, show. This is a family <laughs> show, Mike. Got it. Got it. Got it. <laughs> I listened to the uh, Jamar Chase um, breakdown today, and you guys were you guys brought up some really good points about how um, uh, you know Slayton will be one year closer to ending his contract. You know, Sterling Shepard is you know one concussion away, and how like it would be wise for the Giants to invest in a wide receiver, maybe not at eleven, but somewhere along the line. Um, which is great, like line of thinking. I just don't think that that is what our GM is thinking per se. Um, I do think, however, that uh, possibly second or third round, depending on how the board falls, we should look at a wide receiver. Um, at eleven, I'd love to trade back. Um, obviously, it takes two to tango, but uh, if if you can't get you know, obviously, um, uh, a Rashawn Slater or the kid from uh, USC or Parsons, let's say. Um, I saw that the kid from Washington, the defensive uh, edge rusher from Washington, uh, Tryon, I believe his name yeah, is. Joe Tryon. Yeah, was kind of sort of moving up some boards. I wanted to get your thoughts and opinions on, on him. Yeah. And I, I, I have one more question. Okay. Uh, yeah, I watched some try on tape. I think he's going to have a really, really good pro day, to be honest. And I know he's moving up boards. And I think after his pro day, a lot of people might start buying into him a little bit more because he is a longer defensive end with good initial quickness, can get up the arc, has some bend to him, uses his hands pretty well. And I, I'm not gonna, I don't think he's a great run defender, but I think it's something that he can kind of grow into. I mean, he's a Pac-12 pass rusher who, you know, they don't always have the best hit rate, but you don't scout the helmet scout the player and I think Joe Tryon is somebody that could be a good pick in the second round I've seen him hyped in the first round a little bit uh, I'm not quite there yet but I do respect the people that kind of put him up in that area but I do like his quickness and his ability to kind of use his hands and I think he is kind of in a high upside type of pass rusher okay um and then my other question was is um being that, you know, we've really spent a lot of big bucks in free agency, do you, can you guys share some insight or any rhyme or reason as to why we have not um, even, I mean, I don't know if they have or if they haven't, but opened up discussions to extending Jabril Peppers? I mean, he kind of reminds me of like that Swiss Army knife, like that Buda Baker, Minka Fitzpatrick type in Graham's uh, defense. And to see him potentially hit free agency next year or, you know, kind of see Dave Gettleman flub how he did Evan Ingram, you know, get, you know, uh, you know, uh, extend him or no, was Peppers a second rounder or was he a first? A fir- he, was uh, a first. he was a first rounder. Okay. So to pick up his fifth year option and then, you know, at, at the deadline, possibly not uh, trade him for some assets or, you know, you know, how they like to, you know, you know, uh, sell us, um, oh, well, we're going to get a comp pick down the line for so-and-so or whatever. But, like, I, that just bothers me because, like you guys are saying about wide receivers depth, like right now, like right now, yes, we do have safety depth. You know, you have uh, McKinney, Logan Ryan, Peppers, and uh, depending on how you view Joy and Love. But, I mean, after next year, you know, Logan Ryan's down to one more year left, and then you got Peppers hitting free agency. Um, you know what I mean? So, I just wanted to get you guys' opinion on that. Yeah, I actually tweeted something about this. It's funny you bring this up a, a few weeks ago, maybe a month ago. Uh, it was the most surprising development of the offseason, how he wasn't re-signed yet. 
I will say this. I think he will ultimately be resigned. This is one that I don't feel nervous about because just from watching him interact on the sidelines, from seeing some of the mic'd ups and seeing how close he is to Joe Judge in some of those clips and how really there's a lot of times where Judge and Graham will come to him. And he's he really is, in my mind, the leader of that defense. Both, both vocally and on the field. And if you watch the film, like me and Nick did, and Nick could correct me if I'm wrong on this, but I don't think there was any there was any doubt that this defense took a massive step back when he had to miss a few snaps last year. He played most of the season, but he had to miss a few snaps at times with injuries. And the defense just looked completely different without him on the field. So ultimately, I feel it is weird. It's definitely odd. But I do think they'll find room for him next year. It might mean at the expense of a Sterling Shepard, potentially. It might mean at the expense of, hopefully, Riley Dixon, who is going to have like a $4 million cap it next year to be a bottom-tier punter in my mind. But does that one still perplexes me? But I have, I have confidence that he'll remain on this roster. It is weird, but I do have confidence. What do you feel about this, Nick? I mean, I have confidence as well. I don't think Tabril Peppers is going to go anywhere, especially if Dave Gettleman's a general manager. I mean, he made that trade, and to be honest, Tabril Peppers has been the biggest impact of that trade from the Cleveland uh, with the Cleveland Browns. So I think he's going to remain here, and he's a perfect fit for what Patrick Graham wants. He's a perfect fit for the current NFL, being that hybrid linebacker safety type who can, you know play the run against heavier personnel packages, 12 personnel, yet still drop into coverage, has the athletic ability in the hips to do that, which we saw time and time again. So I think he's going to remain a giant as well. And I think he's just coming into his own because it looked clear to me that, remember, this is a guy who played a weird hybrid role at Michigan where it, it, it he's still kind of learning what the Giants want him to do and what Patrick Graham wants him to do. And it looked clear to me, at least, that he took a big step forward specifically as a pass defender last year, which was really promising development for him. I thought he was much better in that regard in 2020 versus 2019. So, yeah, I'm with Nick. I, I, I'm not worried about it, even though it is weird that he wasn't resigned. I would agree with you on that. Man, love the podcast. Thanks, Nick. Awesome. It's cream and chips, man. Wait, what? You don't oh, eat anything. <laughs> you should see this kid's diet, man. It's it's one of the most sad things ever. If, if he eats 50 grams of carbs in a week, it, it, would, be, it, would, be a, it would be a miracle, an absolute miracle. I consume more than 50 carbs a day, all right? There's not even a chance that it's more than <laughs> A day is not even close. All right, let's bring on Todd. Todd, you still there with us, bud? Avocado Todd, you there, bud? I love this avocado avatar. That is a nice avatar. All right, Todd. Calling all Todds. Dan, you want to know something weird about avocados that I've thought about? Yeah, what is it? Everybody loves avocado toast, right? But I, don't no, I wouldn't like, say everybody, but a lot ahead. of people love avocado toast. Mm-hmm. But I never yeah. seen anybody eat an avocado or like a guacamole sandwich. That's a good point. You would. I've never yeah. seen it. That is actually interesting. First of all, avocado toast. Let me go on a little rant here while we wait for Todd, and then we may have to move on to someone. Todd, if you're there, just butt in. Otherwise, we'll put you back in the rotation if you just request to speak. But avocado toast. People out here paying twelve dollars for a piece of bread toasted with avocado on it those people are insane to me twelve dollars like what are we talking about here i don't even understand that you could literally buy avocado and bread at the supermarket and make 17 avocado toast for the price of one but you know what that's life these days so todd we're gonna move on from you we're gonna bring in uh aperva i think that i pronounced that right are you there with us i know i pronounced your last name shop hello guys i think i lost you there Oh, are you, are you there? Yeah. Hey, sorry, guys. I, I don't oh, know if you caught any of my question at all. I just totally lost the sound there for a minute. Um, but my, my question, I guess, was just on, on Gettleman and, and maybe if uh, this leopard's kind of changing this. 
We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Thoughts at all. Uh, I was reading Jordan uh, Rennan's piece um, on ESPN the other day about, you know, how, how Gettleman looks kind of silly after the Dolphins, you know, traded back, traded up and still accumulated picks and are, are, are probably going to get the guys uh, that they're targeting. And in light of like Dalvin Tomlinson walking out the door and kind of getting replaced with Danny Shell, uh, do you guys think uh, Gettleman in his approach that he's actually reevaluating his approach to roster building? with moves like that? Or do you think that's more just Joe Judge's influence? And, and Gettleman's always been fairly flexible in terms of targeting free agents that his coaching staff, even under the prior two coaches, uh, you know, he's kind of picked players for those guys according to what their desires might be. The economy is made up of real people doing real stuff, and it affects everything, which you obviously know since you're a real person doing real stuff. Marketplace is here to help you get smart about everything beyond the what of the day's business and economic news. We dig into the how and the why with the real people driving our economy. From big tech and interest rates to small businesses and what's happening at the Fed, Marketplace breaks it all down so you don't have to. Listen to Marketplace wherever you get your podcasts. Like any good team, Hiring the right employees for your front office is just as important as recruiting the best players for the game. That's why you need Indeed. Indeed is the job site that makes hiring as easy as one, two, three. Post, screen, and interview all on Indeed. Get your quality shortlist of candidates whose resumes on Indeed match your job description faster. Only pay for the candidates that meet must-have qualifications and schedule and complete video interviews in your Indeed dashboard. According to Talent Nest, Indeed delivers four times more hires than all other job sites combined. Get started right now with a free $75 sponsored job credit to upgrade your job post at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Get a $75 credit at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Offer valid through June 30th. Terms and conditions apply. You've heard us talking about it before, and we're back again to talk to you about hosting your own podcast here at Blue Wire. And there's no better place to host than Blue Wire Hustle. Hustle was created to give everyone the opportunity to take your podcast to the next level. Or, if you want to host a podcast and just don't know where to start, Hustle is the perfect place for you. As part of the program, you'll receive personal cover art, Q&As with Blue Wire's top podcasters, access to our community Discord, and an e-learning course full of tips and tricks. And on top of that, we'll help you get your show pushed out to Apple, Spotify, Google, Stitcher, and all other listening platforms. 
and the best part is you can get all of this for only $15 a month, the same rate as any other hosting site would charge you just for the initial setup. So if you're ready to do more than just listening to us talk about your favorite team, then make your voice heard in Hustle. Acceptance into this program is limited, so get your application in today. To apply, go to bwhustle.com join. Check out the description box for the episode to find out more, but that's bwhustle.com join. I think it's the latter of what you said. I think Dave Gettleman has a solid marriage with his coaching staff. A lot of the time we saw with James Betcher when they brought over all those former Arizona Cardinals, much to the chagrin of a lot of uh, Giants fans, to be honest, seeing Antoine Bethea playing middle of the field, close safety, 30 yards off the ball wasn't really a great thing. But I feel like Dave Gettleman does actually a pretty solid job at doing that with his coaching staff. And I feel like Danny Shelton's somebody that they're familiar with. And he's also somebody who can two-gap, hold up the point of attack, anchor down, allow the linebacker to scrape over the top, do all those things that you needed to replace because Dalvin Tomlinson was so vital. Now, obviously, Danny Shelton doesn't have the athletic ability of Dalvin Tomlinson, but I honestly think that addition, and we haven't really talked about it yet on the podcast, we will, I think that addition is going to be a, a good addition for this, for the continuity with the Giants want to do on early downs. So, yeah, I think I think latter what you said, Todd, when it comes to uh, Dave Gettleman, and I don't even know if it's Leopard changing his spots as much because I, I feel like – I can't really speak about his Carolina days, but I feel like he did that a similar thing with the Pat, Sher- with the Pat Shermers of the world. Yeah. Now, yeah, now having I would, said, I would say that just to add to that, I would say if we want to see if the leopard's changing the spot, let's wait for the draft. The draft is really where, yes. so for free agency. Like people can talk about anything they want in free agency, but ultimately the Giants were the only team to offer Kenny Galladay a long-term deal, and right. Dory Jackson took the most money. And I mean, like the free agency is not free agency is mostly about, and like Nick said, it is they, he does a good job of you know pairing the players that fit the system that the coaches want, but. Tradency is a lot about money. No matter what people tell you, it's, it's the truth of it. And in the draft, that's where I think we'll see. You know, will he consider trading back and acquiring more picks in the in day three? Will he? You know, those are the types of spots where, or will he take another ID? Will he maybe take an IDL high again? You know, those are the times where you got to see really where his roster building comes into play. But I do think, like like you said, it could be an influence of Judge. People are suggesting Judge has more of an influence now on the roster building strategy i you know we'll that's something unfortunately me and nick don't have too much insight on we don't we're not in the building and even if we were they're not giving out anything these days to those beats it's not like the days of mike garofolo on the beat so it's hard to know but i I think the draft is where you'll get your true test for that yeah it's i I totally agree and i I feel like too you know with the the holes that they've plugged uh in what everybody seems like you know we agree that it's been a really successful you know off season for free agency and, and filling those needs those obvious needs I think it's been a near perfect offseason. I, I really do believe the Giants, Dave Gettleman, Joe Judge, Kevin Abrams have done as perfect, uh, you know, as perfect of an offseason as they can till this point. Obviously, Devontae Booker, we would have rather them not done that. But in the end, that's a few million. I mean, he's not even that bad of a player. You know, he's has an, some intriguing parts of his skill set that are OK. I mean, the only other one you might say is, OK, why didn't they go ahead and sign maybe like a Trey Turner and Andrew Norwell over Right. a uh you know sack fulton but they don't really have the cap space at this point to do that and i don't think they really want to dip too much further into the future that from the because they've done it already enough right now now having said that too what, how do you guys think or do you have an opinion on does this finally put them in a position uh to go best player available whatever that means given the the roster shaping that they've done uh this offseason or do you think they'll go with you know an offensive line you know where or maybe fill out a wide receiver given the 
what the previous uh, caller had said about, you know, uh, being a couple injuries and we'll contract your away from being two guys down on the wide receiver depth chart. I mean, it seems like this is the year that they're like finally able to just take whoever they have the highest rated and, and go with that the way a, a good GM should approach roster building. I would agree with that personally, Todd. I mean, I think they can go BPA and BPA could end up being like, for all I know, I'm not hundred percent sure of what they're, how they value a lot of these guys, but it could be Rashawn Slater. It could be Micah Parsons. It could be, a Jalen Waddle could be a Devonta Smith. I'm not really sure how they value all these types of players, but I mean, I think they have positioned themselves to go BPA, which is something that you always want your team to do. And that's sort of what free agency somewhat is for as well. I mean, you want to be able to go into the draft and not have a glaring hole. And I don't think the giants have a glaring hole, but they have holes that do carry some concern, but I still think you can go BPA. And I would add this. I actually think during Gettleman's tenure, He's actually done a really good job, or I, he has done a job of sticking to BPA. I don't think that's part of his draft process that I would disagree with. He, the, the difference is BPA can be looked at in a lot of different spectrums. So BPA for one team is different than BPA for another team. The Giants had Dexter Lawrence likely as a top five overall player, a top 10 overall player in that class. So when he fell to 17, they considered it an unbelievable bargain and a guaranteed BPA. Other teams who might view a interior defensive lineman that doesn't get that much of a pass rushing presence on an every down basis as because of, because of that fact, they're not a player that they would view as a top 10 pick, even though he would be such a surefire draft pick. Like he has been, you know, when you drafted Dexter Lawrence 17, you knew you weren't getting a bust, but at the same time, you knew you weren't exactly getting someone who impacts the pass on every down. So I think it changes from team to team and what they consider BPA, but I actually do think the giants are and Gettleman as well is not the type of GM that, and there are some bad GMs that do this. He's not the type of GM that takes players just because of the position they play. Right. Excellent. Well, thanks again, guys. Enjoy the podcast. As always, uh, I'll shut up and listen to everybody else's questions now. Thanks, guys. Thanks for joining thanks. us, man. All right. Let's see who's next on the well, list. Prova, are you here, bud? Yeah, are you here? Aperva? Mr. Shy, are you here with us, buddy? All right, if you are, just jump in at some point. But for now, we're going to get Terrence, Terrence in on the show. Terrence, you there, bud? Hey, what's up, guys? Can you hear me? Yeah, what's yeah, up, got- man? Uh, not too much. Uh, yeah, I think the last person kind of was on a similar wavelength with me. But, yeah, I mean, we've gotten your thoughts on the current moves. But, you know, I've been listening to the show. I've really heard the uh, love-hate with Dave Gettleman. But upon hearing your thinking this – off season was kind of a near perfect off season. I'm wondering, do we think he's maybe the right GM to be giant should be continuing with? Does the Joe judge Gettleman fitting sort of just work? Or do we think maybe with the culture change in New York players, they're finding it easier to have players come to the team. I'd love your, know your thoughts and maybe feel like some people were uh, banging the uh, fire Gettleman drum. Curious if you where you guys think that's at currently. I actually want to uh, step in first here, Dan. So for me, I think it's all tied to Daniel Jones. I really do. I think if Daniel Jones falls flat on his face this year and just kind of shows all of us that he can't be this professional quarterback that can take your team to the next level and really hack it and put himself into a top, not not even like a top tier, like the top five, but be like a top half of the quarterback, you know, then I feel like if that's, evident and Daniel Jones can't do that I don't believe Dave Gettleman will be the general manager to make another quarterback selection 
So that's kind of where I'm at with it. I'm not a huge Gettleman hater. Like I, I've never really been that way with Gettleman. I've criticized the moves that I felt like needed to be critiqued and criticized. But I, I'm, I would be hesitant to have him go out and select another quarterback. I think if Daniel Jones fails, then it's going to be time to move on. That's a good way to look at it, that Nick looks at it. Um, I think that's definitely how it will play out. I mean, if the Giants, at this point, John Merritt put his foot on the table. He didn't come out and say they need to make the playoffs or things are going to change, but he gave this GM another spending spree. Like, remember, Gettleman walked in in 2018 and John Merritt handed him the keys and said, you can sign Nate Solder, you can sign Patrick Omame. And then he did it again last offseason with Bradbury Martinez. Now he did it again this season. They dipped into a ton of their future cap space. So to me, these aren't really the wins they're made out to be from a GM standpoint. I'll be honest with you, um, Terrence, and it's just my opinion. Wins as a GM come in the draft. That's how you build winning rosters. You draft the right players, and then you get them for cheap against the cap for four years or for five years under team control for those first-round picks. That's how you win. That's how you <laughs> fix this roster long-term. So until that happens, I'm not ready to sit here and, you know, and, and, and hand the keys over to him long term. But I do think this roster has really, really looked based on their spending spree and how well they did in free agency, both this year and last year. Because remember, they had an amazing free agency last year with Ryan, with Martinez, with Bradbury. They have a really good roster for this next season, regardless kind of, of what happens in this draft. But to me, you know, you still have to look at things like using that early supplemental draft pick on Sam Beal, a guy who had shoulder problems. He came from a conference where he didn't really have to prove himself. And no other team used anything but a fourth, and the Giants used an early third. Drafting Will Hernandez at 34, who hasn't worked out. The Barkley decision. So there's still a lot of things that have affected this franchise. And remember, he's had a top ten pick, every, or top six pick every draft until this one. So there's still a lot that needs to be factored in. But ultimately what Nick said is right. I mean, it just comes down in the end ultimately to Daniel Jones because unfortunately in this sport, it's pretty much all about your quarterback in the end. There's all these other things we talk about, and you can't. it's true you can't really win without an offensive line. That is true, but everything else really does come down to that quarterback. You look at why did the Bills take that big jump? Josh Allen took that big jump. Who was playing in the Super Bowl? You know, obviously Patrick Mahomes and obviously Tom Brady. So in the end, ultimately, I think Nick's right. It will come down to Jones. Cool. Thanks, guys. Yeah, thanks for joining us. That was a cool question. All right, let's see who's next on this. Notorious VIG is next. Notorious VIG. Oh, Notorious is coming in. What's good? The, the bad news for you, Nick, is that you probably, probably – are, are, are you even familiar with Notorious VIG? Do you know who that is? Yes, I'm Notor- aware who Notorious VIG is. <laughs> okay, okay. I wasn't sure after the Slim Shady LP and the uh, Marshall Mathers takes, but I, I am glad. Oh, look. Looks like Nick. Nick, don't 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 take this. Don't take this anymore. <laughs> I mean, this... Notorious. It goes in one ear. It goes out the other. It's not. No, a... but 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 it's a, at some point you have to you, you have to punch the bully in the nose. This <laughs> <laughs> bully has been punched in the nose far too many times, and that's why right. it looks the way it does. Go on, though. Dan, What's going on, Dan? Man? Dan, you missed. You missed trading up for DeAndre. Oh no, you know, no, we didn't passing, go over them all. They're passing. Plenty, there's, there's plenty passing of... on Braden Smith for uh, Bill Hernandez. I mean, just it goes on and on. At these terrible, terrible decisions this first couple of years. Oh my god! But <laughs> that's not that's not that's not what I, I want to talk about. So, uh, talk to me. All right, speaking of of second round guards, talk to me about who might be. 
the guy that you could slot in the second round? Do you think like a Tevin Jenkins falls? If it's not someone like that, who, who, cause you know, Will Hernandez is not going to be resigned, right? And you know that they're going to draft their replacement. In fact, they're probably just going to carpet bomb the draft in terms of the interior offensive lineman. Who, who are you targeting? Who do you love? Okay. So for me, it's actually the center from Oklahoma, Creed Humphrey. And I'm not sure if he's going to fall to the second round, to be honest, but he's definitely a huge target for me. I also like maybe a little bit later in the third round, Aaron Banks from Notre Dame. Yes. Yes. I think Davis. But why, why do you think he falls to the third round? The guy's a beast. I, you know, that's it's. I'm not really 100% sure where he's going to end up going. I do believe that he's a beast. And, I, you know, honestly, second round, that's something that uh, I don't feel like is far-fetched. It's, it's kind of weird to where all these guys are going to go, and I'm not really 100% yeah. sure where to value them in such an uncertain year. Like, I look at, say, the tackle, right. right? Like, Walker Little. Where's Walker Little going to get drafted? Well, Walker Little, we haven't seen him since the first game of the 2019 season when he tore his ACL, and then he opted out of 2020. But the guy has incredible athletic ability on tape, incredible tape, and he's gigantic, and he's like a prototypical NFL tackle. But I have no idea where that guy's going to get drafted. He could go in the 20s, or he can go in the late third round. So some of these offensive linemen, I'm just a little hesitant as to where, I, where I'm going to like fully put them because I'm not 100% sure, especially those opt-outs. Right. Yeah, I think we still have a long way to go as far as the offensive linemen go. We haven't really hit many yet on our podcast. I know Nick had a chance to watch Wyatt Davis. I've had a chance to watch basically only Dickerson. I like him a lot. He's probably somebody <laughs> who's up my list. I think he'd add a lot to this specific scheme, too, to this blocking scheme. But I think like what you said could be true here, where there's going to be tackles that fall into that range that can immediately slide into guard. And one player who I, I think I've liked throughout this entire process who gets literally no buzz ever for whatever reason, just because, again, this tackle class is deep, this offensive line class is deep. But Jalen Mayfield from Michigan, I think he is going to be an NFL player, and he gets no buzz. He'll be there at 41, and I think he could play guard as well. So there's a lot of players that, that I have my eye on. Obviously, I want to do a little bit more work before I get back to you. But like Nick said, it's it's going to be a weird season like with COVID and with all the opt-outs. But I think, right. like you said, what you said is true. There could be some guys that could convert at that spot from tackle to guard and just some true interior offensive line prospects that could be there value-wise. I would love to see Aaron Banks back there, though, dude. You're talking about <laughs> tackle size, tackle yeah. length, huge, just paged dudes on those down blocks, man. And <laughs> even, like, moves sort of well. It doesn't, it doesn't always look pretty. It's not always completely refined, but he gets the job done, and that's what you kind of need to do in the NFL. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So one one thing. So uh, – so- Watching watching the the line play uh, is easy on YouTube, right? I mean, you typically you know, just watch whatever is on the on YouTube. The receivers, the tight ends. Do you guys have all twenty two film somehow at the college level, or are you just doing the same thing, just watching the ball go down the field, not really seeing the route tree? All no, we have we have all twenty two. So. Yeah, we both we both have access to a bunch of all twenty two from college. And so is that something you guys just pay for? We do, yes. All right, genius. Okay, well, we'll, we'll keep listening then. If you're interested, <laughs> we can send – I mean, I don't think it's too much of a secret. We can give you a link if you want to pay for it. That's something you would want to do or any of our listeners who are listening in. If you're interested in kind of doing your own version of this scouting and you want to pay for some All-22 from college, definitely hit us up. We can give you a link Love for it. this. Cool. Thank you. All right. Thanks, guys. Keep it up. Take care. Thank you, man. All right. 
Are you there yet, Aperva? Because otherwise we are going to throw in Dom. We've been waiting patiently. Are you there, Mr. Shop? Does not look like it. So we are going to move on here and bring in Dom. What's going on, Dom? You there, Dom? Dom is probably our He's there, here. Dom? D- Dom, oh. Dude, Dom's I love seeing you every God. week, Dom. No fail. Yeah. Every week. <laughs> so uh, my my question is that I so I watch a lot of a lot of college football, and of course, what I continuously see is you know the the stars is Jalen Waddle and Smith and Chase, and of course, as someone who's just who's just watching the games, you those names stand out, and it's it would be exciting to take a wide receiver. But just looking looking at the team, I, I can't agree I can't agree with you guys. I, I can't I would be very mad if they took one of them. Even though I know how good they are and they're the the guys that I've seen play the most because I've never watched Sewell, I've never watched Slater, I've never seen most of the guys on defense play. But I just know that I, it just it's not a need right now. And guard slash tackle, I think there's a good chance that either Lemieux Hernandez or Pert are going to suck. So I feel like if Slater's there, it's a must take. And even if he's not there, I don't know this guy personally, but just, just from what I read, I think the guy from USC who can play guard and tackle is a must draft because at least you know you're filling in a solid piece on the line and he can replace a terrible piece because one of the three probably will end up sucking. So I really would find it hard to not go with – a guard or tackle in the first round, or I could be okay if it's an edge, but I see, I see wide receiver as a way, way, way lesser immediate need. So I, I would be upset if they took very upset if they took a wide receiver in the first round. So I understand what you guys think where you're coming from here, Dom. I totally get it. But I think it's important to note that, and this may not be the perspective of everybody, but I know it is the perspective of me and Nick. You just can't draft for need. You can't, you can't look at a draft and say, I don't need this position. I do need that position. I'm going to go with that player. So if those guys are graded right around the Waddles and the Smiths of the world, who will likely be there? We don't think Chase will make it there, Jamar Chase. we I'm not sure Kyle Pitts will make it there. I think because he has that tight end name, a uh, label next to his name, he might actually have a chance to slide, which would be a mistake in my opinion. But I ultimately don't think he'll make it there. So I think it will be between Smith and Waddle for the Giants at that point. But Ultimately, if they do have the same grade on Slater as they have on Waddle, or even just a slightly lower grade, let's say overall, they feel like they're pretty comparable players for their positions. Then I completely agree with you. Like you, you know me, Dom. I'm not. I don't really believe in investing in skill players very highly. I definitely don't believe in going crazy at the skill player position. I totally believe that you don't do anything in this league without a line. And what you said is true. It's a great point. Like. When you're putting out a fifth round, a second year fifth round player in Lemieux, you struggle mightily in pass pro. A fourth year guard who, yeah, he was the 34th overall pick at one point, but has been average his whole career. And a second year, basically late end of the third round pick. Matt Parrott was selected in those compensatory area. I mean, he was almost outside of the top 100. You're putting a lot of risk on the field. Like you said, there's. Uh, probably a good chance that one of the three will bust. It's just, it's, it's math. I mean, like there's a chance, I guess you can get lucky and they're all good, but it seems unlikely. So but at, the same time, but from, at, the same, at the same time though, I also, it, it, it's not just that. I also think that, that they could find a wide receiver. If you flip it in the third round, that has a better chance by say week five or six, if someone gets hurt of being in maybe an okay number three guy, if 
slit, you know, Shepard got hurt and being okay, not killing you. And if you have time to throw him the ball, like pick, pick a guy that'll be there in the third round. If you, if you're going to tell me that Shepard or Slayton are going to get hurt, say at one point and you draft a wide receiver in the third round, I'd be more comfortable playing that guy in three, in three wide receiver sets over playing Lemieux or Fernandez or Pert. I totally get it from that standpoint. I mean, I think we're spot on. Nick, do you feel that? How do you feel about this, Nick? Why don't you weigh in? No, I feel I feel similarly. I, I'm not going to throw a fit if they draft Jalen Waddle because I do understand what he can give an offense. But Dominic, I understand where you're coming from. I do believe that this offensive line can be problematic if they do not progress like the Giants coaching staff feels like they can progress. And I yeah. think it could be what's up exactly, exactly. When yeah, you yeah. when you if if you're a Giants fan and you go to sleep on the night of a game. You don't go to sleep and worry about how Darius Slayton's going to do. He's good. He, he might not ever be great, but he's good. You don't need him to be great. If he's yeah. a number two, he's fine. Like, I don't think that's a big – I think he's fine. You know what I mean? Yeah, of course. It's, it, it, feels like, it feels like fantasy if they go and get a chase. And, no, I, I've seen them play a lot. They're great. But do we need two great guys when you also have Shepard as a third? And you have Barkley, and they play two – tight end sets a lot and they have like four tight ends like I I think it's overkill I wouldn't say it's overkill though man because how many snaps did we see of CJ Board Damian Ratley and and all these bums last year I mean we saw quite a bit to be honest I like Austin Mack too and I think even Dante Pettis is somebody that can kind of crack into the rotation which leads to your point and I don't think you're wrong but I am going to go BPA if I'm Dave Gettleman now well I do I do agree with you that 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 you did see those guys a lot but also that was partly partly because Pettis wasn't there because because Austin Mack was still young and and also because Gettleman didn't take a late round fourth, fifth, sixth shot at wide receiver, which we hope yeah. he does this year. So maybe if they if they draft the guy in the fourth or fifth round and they have an actual training camp, that guy could be developing, could be okay to play. That's where I'm I'm seeing it more. But I mean Dominic, also ultimately though, man, ultimately. They're going to go interior. Like someone said it before, they're definitely going interior offensive line because Will Arnett is going to be a free agent next year, man. Exactly. And then you got who? Zach Fulton, Kyle Murphy, freaking Shane Lemieux for two spots, bro. Like they're definitely going interior offensive line at least once, probably twice in this draft. I think someone said carpet bomb the position. I think that was notorious. And that's 100% accurate right there. In my and opinion. I also see a big, I also see a big hole. And I know, I know it might not be the BPA at 11. But I see a big hole, and I and I and I, I I do I don't think that they're in a spot where where they're so good that that they can just go in any spot. I see a big hole at edge. Last year at edge, there were games where they got sacks, but it was because the coverage was good. Guys were just sitting there with with five, six, seven seconds to throw. They have nobody at edge right now. If if Carter and X Man are not not healthy. That's what it's all going to come down to, too, the return of both of those guys. I still think they can scheme pressure solidly, but you're right. You're still going to need guys to play edge. For me, it's more can these edges set the edge against the run. I'm really, really big on that to really kind of force these offenses into third and long situations. Do not allow, don't give anything up on the ground. And I believe Ryan Anderson's a good addition on that, but you're right. You do need some juice. I don't think it's the biggest need in the world. Like, if you look at the team right now, you would say, yeah, that's definitely a need. But I don't think it's, like, a huge liability, yeah. I, I, I think I would say. But, yeah, but I think it, they're definitely going to be addressing the edge position. Hopefully, Dom, they get some like, boogie, Dom, you know? Real quick, Tom, here's the thing with edge. 
in regards to this draft class. Yeah, if there was a Chase Young available for the Giants, wherever they were picking, let's say they had an earlier pick in this class, whatever it was, or last year, then yeah, you obviously scoop them up. Edge is still clearly a need on this roster, but Edge is also probably the worst position in this draft class if you look at it as a whole. I can't really think of too many positions where it's worse. You could stretch and try to take a Jalen Phillips at 11, which I think the Giants are actually going to strongly consider doing. But when you're doing that, you're taking on a massive risk. This is somebody who had concussion problems in the past and literally retired from football at one point because of concussions. Like that, taking that at 11 is a major risk. And that's no, you have to eventually talk yourself into course. these types of edges because, again, they're so rare. And this isn't just like a phenomenon, like occasionally this happens. This is why everybody wanted Chase Young. This is why everybody thought that it was so much better to get Chase Young than any of the tackles because edges – don't grow edges are the maybe in my opinion the hardest position to find in the draft on a consistent basis from year to year so and i will say this one last thing about edge i think based on patrick graham's system it's not as big of a need for this giants team in patrick graham's system as it would be for a lot of other teams for any kind of four three traditional team for a team like with a wide nine like a jim schwartz style defense in the giants specific system I don't actually think Edge is as important. I think they can find different guys who can come in and mix in and find ways to generate pressure using sending extra blitzers and things of that nature that we saw last year. So to me, it's definitely a need, but I wouldn't force. Again, it's just for me, it's all BPA. But do, you, much. Do, you, do you guys think that if they went if they went wide receiver in the first round, that they would get the same quality of, say, let's say they went Edge around two, I think they would still get a starting starting level guard in round three that's that's more my concern that if that that with the need the place they need they might not they might not end up getting it filled if they wait till the third round for a guard or an edge do you think that there's a starting level guard or edge in the third round because if they went wide receiver in round one then they'd have to be waiting till round three to get one of those yeah if they didn't end up trading up which you know we're not really all for it's kind of hard to say just like i was saying just before it's kind of difficult to value some of these guys up there, like Aaron Banks, I think he would be gone by our third round pick. But if he would have happened to slide, that would be amazing. But I don't necessarily see that happening. So, yeah. are there starting level guards? I mean, there are so many unknown guys in college football this year. So many of those smaller conferences didn't play. So, if there is the giant scouting department is really on top of things, maybe they could land somebody. But it's kind of difficult to say. I mean, okay. according to the Giants, they landed what they consider a starter in round five last year. So you could look at it like that. Like it definitely mm-hmm. is possible um in that sense but i also think it's important dom to i mean this is not to say this is the right way but the way i view the roster building process via the draft does seem to be a little bit different than yours i would not go into a draft saying i have these needs i need to make sure i get them filled round one round two round three for me it would truly be about selecting the best player and if i enter this 2021 season with a couple needs on paper i'm fine with that because i'm looking at this thing long term building the best possible roster and making sure I do everything I can to find players that will be successful hits for those four-year cheap rookie deals against the cap. I don't want to take any kind of risk and look back saying, well, I didn't think this was the best player at the time of taking him in round two or round three, but I said I needed guard or I thought I needed edge more. Oh, no, no. No, I, no of course, I, I understand. I meant if it was like a close grade, like a Parsons. Sure. yeah. A Parsons, a wide receiver – and a Slater, and I would think that that a Parsons and a Slater would be cl- would be clear spots that could help the team more this year, and and they're sim- similar similarly similarly graded players. Oh yeah, yeah no, I totally get it. No, I of course, and, kind I, of and, and I don't think I would take the risk and take and take a Jalen Phillips in round one because of the injury, but 
I'm thinking of Quincy Roche in round two. I, I would put Roche probably in the third round. Yeah, I'm not oh. a huge fan of. I think Roche reminds. I'm not. I'm not big on what I've seen from Roche. Okay, then that, then that's fine because you, you've seen you've seen a, a lot more than me. I haven't seen anything. I just that just from what I read. So, all right, thanks, guys. All right, Dom. Thanks, bro. Yeah, thanks for joining us, Dom. Love to have all you right, on. All right, everyone. That's all the time we have for on today's show. Thank you for everyone tuning in again. As always, we'll be doing these every Tuesday night at 8 p.m. on Locker Room App. So thanks again for joining us. Have a great rest of your week, and we'll talk to you soon. How do I touch? I think you've this. Oh, it's gone. Okay. No, it's not gone. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.